Welcome to Joyce's podcast series, Live Curiously. My name is Jillian Choi, and I am the Director of Global Exhibitions at Design Miami, an international design fair and platform focusing on historic and contemporary collectible design. In my 15-year career working at the intersections of art, design, and fashion, I have had the great honor of working with some of the world's best creative minds, designers, artists, gallerists, and brands. Throughout the years and the different roles I've held, one thing for me has always remained true, an endless curiosity and appreciation for the creative process. In this episode, I had the privilege of sitting down with Christopher John Rogers, the New York-based fashion designer and wonderkind, to pick his brain about his creative process. Winner of the CFDA Fashion Fund in 2019, Christopher quickly made a name for himself as a bold new voice in the industry with his unique way with color, proportion, and tailoring. We talked about his childhood in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, his inspirations, his process, and how he's managed to stay connected and creative amidst an unprecedented set of circumstances. A truly brilliant mind and humble spirit. I hope you enjoy listening to Christopher as much as I did. Hello, Christopher. How are you? Hi, Jillian. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am good. Where are you right now? Um, I'm in my apartment in Brooklyn, New York, in Bushwick. So just chilling out. Just got home from work. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm in Miami right now. So hello from Miami. Amazing. (laughs) So I have a few questions for you. Yes. So you've dressed some of the world's most iconic women. Lady Gaga, Tessa Mae Thompson, Zendaya, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. That was an incredible shoot. Beyonce, Michelle Obama, to name a few. How would you describe the Christopher John Rogers woman? I think that the CGR woman defines herself, ultimately. I think that all of the women that you've described, the list is incredibly eclectic. But I think a few things that sort of draw them all together are the fact that They are incredibly intelligent, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have fun with fashion. Um, They understand that you can wear something iridescent or hot pink or something that physically takes up a lot of space and still be like one of the kindest and warmest people in the room. They understand that fashion is a way to sort of express themselves without saying a word, but they know that their words have power and they're not afraid to, you know, say what they mean and mean what they say at the same time. Um, They're complex individuals and... They also like to have fun with the things that they put on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think like one of the first times I saw your dresses in real life was on Shaniqua Jarvis. And she was wearing like this beautiful hot pink confection. Um, And I just feel like your dresses are so, I mean, when I see them on women, they like light up. And I think even though they're bright and beautiful and bold, um, it doesn't wear the woman because I think the kind of woman that chooses to wear your clothes, like, has that, Mm -hmm. like, innately in her. Um, Absolutely. is Is there somebody that you haven't dressed yet that you would like to? Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, I think more so than 
any celebrity or someone who's of note, I think one thing that really interests me is dressing people that I don't even know, like exist necessarily. So this year actually in February was the launch of our first collection for retail. And so it's been amazing to sort of see all the different people, however they identify um, and wherever they live in the world, whatever they do for their jobs. It's great to see them sort of tag us on Instagram or like be able to see how people interpret the looks for themselves. And I think that that sense of individuality and people bringing a certain specificity to the clothes is really fun. Cutting clothes is really exciting. Picking out fabrics and putting things together that maybe other people wouldn't in a way is always really fun. And it's always really fun to propose something extravagant, but to have someone break down looks and making it make it personal mm-hmm. is always really fun. Mm-hmm. So I think more so than, you know, like a celebrity, it's always cool to see regular folks you know, putting the clothes together themselves. Yeah, I feel like fashion is like art in the way that there's what the artist or the designer intended and then there's how the viewer Mm -hmm. or the wearer interprets it, which is like, it takes on a life of its own. Absolutely. And that's, to me, like the most fun thing because growing up, I grew up online. So whether it was like LiveJournal or Tumblr or whatever, seeing all of these amazing people put together looks, whether it be from, you know, pieces straight from the runway that are really hard to find, mixed with vintage, mixed with things that were really inexpensive, that was always really fun. And that really informs the way that we design. A lot of people think that some of the things that we show are dresses when in actuality they're like tops tucked into skirts or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. So it's nice that people can like break down things and make it their own. Right, which actually kind of leads me into my next question. I know you were born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Did I say that right? Yes. Um, and, and then ended up at, in Savannah College of Arts and Design. And I think for maybe our audience that may not be familiar with Louisiana or just to give us a kind of um, idea of what your environment was like that you grew up in. And mm-hmm. I know you said you like lived online, but how did that, how did, where you grew up, and where you kind of ended mm-hmm. up going to school, which is also in the South, but different. How does that inform the work that you do now? I never really thought about it much growing up, how my environment would affect me or what I took from it. But after reflection, I think a certain sense of duality, I think, was something that I took from my experience growing up. Uh, my parents placed me in situations in school where I was around a bunch of different types of people from a bunch of different backgrounds. And... One of my best friends, Julie, one day would wear a dress all the way down to her ankles with an incredibly high heel. And then the next day wear the shortest thing with sneakers. And she was always sort of changing the way that she expressed herself, but it was always authentic to her. Um, And so that sort of crazy mix in Louisiana, which is quite modest, sort of allowed me to see that there are many different types of people that like the world isn't black and white. And so um, I think growing up, Seeing that, but then also seeing the women at church being decked out in head-to-toe a color. So head-to-toe orange, head-to-toe pink, head-to-toe purple, which you normally don't see, I thought was really interesting. And my grandmother was one of those women who always sort of was very prim and very polished and very put together. And then we would leave church on Sunday and like go to the grocery store so she could buy whatever she needed to get. And sort of she'd be wearing like a heel and a pencil skirt and you know, like a hat when everyone else is in jeans and like sweats getting flour. So I thought that presenting yourself as maybe your most elevated 
in a space that was incredibly, that was full of pragmatism, I thought was interesting. And then sort of taking that same ethos to college, this was in 2012 through 2016. So athleisure was really popular. Um, <laughs> and like a certain type of aesthetic was really prevalent. And so when I sort of would propose things that maybe had a lot of color or I used fabrics that were maybe a bit more precious, I think uh, my professors or, you know, a few people didn't really understand where I was coming from or sort of my references or where I wanted to go. It just reminded me to remind myself of who I was and what I liked and to sort of dig my heels into my authenticity. And I think that that's definitely been something that has separated me from a lot of other designers right now. So just a sense of fun, a sense of nuanced femininity, a sense of authenticity really is something that I took from my my growing up yeah. time, I guess. Well, and I think people don't realize that Louisiana is quite like diverse as far as its population mm-hmm. historically and also like with new like immigrants, et cetera. And it's absolutely it's different from Hong Kong, but Hong Kong is what always strikes me about Hong Kong is that there's so many different ethnicities, like different mm-hmm. people from all over the world. And you get that it builds this unique culture of its own, like from that eclecticism. Absolutely. Which is like the fun. That's where the magic happens, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, did you always envision yourself as a designer? Like from, yes, yeah? I did, <laughs> which is, I think, quite unusual. A lot of people go through a lot of different iterations of like what they want to do. And so did I. I. I knew that I wanted to be a designer in fifth grade. That was when I was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to figure out how to get to the point that I want to be at. Prior to that, I wanted to be like a firefighter. I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to be a comic book illustrator. I wanted to be a pianist, I think, at some point. But in fifth grade, um, I actually was on YouTube and I was just like searching things and I stumbled upon a show by Alexander McQueen. And I mean, yeah. no, the rest is history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no turning back. Like in, no turning back, um, especially in 2005 when he was like, maybe not at his peak, but like doing really interesting things and incredibly visible and like one of the, one of the most renowned designers in the world at that time. That just really captivated me. It, it took all the elements of things that I liked you know, painting and sculpture and illustration, theater and music, um, just anything creative I was drawn to. And it seemed that this type of fashion on this level allowed someone or many different people to create something beyond just one field. And so that really captivated me. Um, yeah, Alexander McQueen during that time was like all we could think about. I mean, for me uh, yeah. too. <laughs> So then I'm curious to know, like, if you, you're now in New York, in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. from Savannah College of Arts and Design, you ended up in New York. And then I would say, like, very quickly, you, in 2019, you won the CFDA Fashion Fund. What was that like for you? And how did that change your business and your creativity? And mm-hmm. yeah, talk to us about that. So I graduated college in 2016 and I moved to New York and I didn't have a job. I didn't know where I was going to go. Um, I ended up in an empty room in a friend's apartment, sent out my resume to everyone and waited tables until I found a job at um, Diane von Furstenberg. And this was when Jonathan Saunders was taking over the brand as creative director. 
And up until that point, I hadn't really felt that there was a space in New York City, uh, design-wise, where I felt like I could really like let loose and feel comfortable like working. Um, and he definitely brought, again, like an eclecticism and a new point of view to New York fashion that I thought was really exciting. And I was personally a really big fan of his work. So I worked there for a few years and simultaneously started showing during New York Fashion Week. I had released a collection post-graduation while I was working at DVF. And um, it gained actually a lot of interest from people in the entertainment industry. Stylists would pull for celebrities and people at the CFDA ended up reaching out. Everything just kind of happened at once. And I didn't really plan for that. I got let go from my job, actually, I'd say almost two years in. And this was because of a few things, but we were really sort of picking up steam as an emerging New York brand. But at the same time, we didn't necessarily have the resources to go into production. So we had mm-hmm. met with a few stores and my team of three other people and myself, we didn't really feel comfortable leaving our jobs at the time to like do this full time. So got let go, didn't know what I was going to do, ended up getting another job sort of ghost designing for a brand and decided to apply to the fashion fund. Um, one of my teammates, Christina, really was like, you know, we need to do this, we need to apply. And I didn't really feel ready because we didn't have any accounts. Um, yeah. Our business was incredibly small. We were doing sort of custom orders for certain people who wanted the clothes. But we ended up applying and ended up um, doing quite well and won the fashion fund. And that really sort of allowed us to sort of be where we are now. We wouldn't yeah. be here if it wasn't for that. It allowed us to get a studio because prior to that, we were making all of the samples ourselves. So we were cutting and sewing everything in our in our apartment. And so we were able to get a studio. We were able to pay ourselves wages in order to do this full time. We were able to take on interns, which we pay. We were able to work with amazing factories in the New York Garment District. And it's just really allowed us to exist, you know, as a true, you know, fashion business as opposed to just being artists, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, no, We've always sort of made sure that the collection wasn't just fantasy. You know, for every puff skirt or amazing ball gown that we we did, we did a pair of really great trousers and great jackets, but that wasn't necessarily the things that people were pulling for editorials. Mm-hmm. So people didn't really know that we were able to do those other things. So it's nice to now be able to sink our teeth into other things besides just specific evening wear pieces, yeah. even though we still love that. No, I mean, yeah. the dresses are like a moment, but the suits <laughs> and like the tailoring is just so exquisite. Mm-hmm. Like, Thank you. And I think it's so hard to find like trousers and jackets that fit well, but also have a personality. And so yes, um, I think what you're doing is incredible. You know, I think your story is so interesting because it's it's very much a New York story where... I mean, Mm. I've been there too. You have to have like your day job and your side hustle and you just try to make it work and you barely sleep. And so I think um, it'd be interesting because, I mean, so much of your story is about drive and passion and you really believed in what you were doing and you had a vision. I guess what would be your advice for a young designer now who Mm -hmm. may be in school or at a job, you know, you know, working on the design team, but really has, of course, the passion to do something of their own. I think that's every designer's dream. Yes. 
Yeah. Some of the best advice that I've received was actually in my freshman year of college from one of my favorite professors of all time. I sort of kept asking him his advice over and over and over again. And he told me, Christopher, he said, stop. He said, you know who you are, you know what you're doing, and you know what you want to say. So mm. just lead with that always. And so that reminded me of something that my mom said, which is, you know, lead with your heart and listen to yourself. And I think that that is probably some of the best advice that can be applied to any situation. You know, if, you know, you're sort of stuck between two different things that you want to do, what makes you the most happiest? And also what is the most realistic for you? And just try and reconcile the two, you know, lead with your heart, but then also figure out what you can do in the moment to allow you to get to that truest place. As abstract as that is, I think that that's sort of, the best advice that I can give is do what you know feels right. You know, you don't need to ask 50 people Mm. their opinion if you only respect five. You know, ask five people who you admire and you respect and then find how that applies to your truth. I mean, I think that's very powerful. That's something that even I'm learning to do still as an adult. Me too. It's like, because you're (laughs) like, wait, was this my idea or was this... what I think I should do. And I think there's so mm-hmm. much pressure on like kids today. I mean, and just in general and societally for all of us to kind mm-hmm. of go in a direction um, and like stick to it. And like, there's certain steps that you need to do. But I think especially in these times, like learning to sit with yourself and mm-hmm. like really figure out what feels good in your body. And it is abstract, right. but the answers are within us. Absolutely. It's one way or another. You have to dig sometimes, <laughs> but yeah. it's there. And also not be afraid to fail. It's like you're not always going to get where you want like that. Sometimes mm-hmm. you lead with your heart and yeah. you realize that maybe where you ended up isn't where you wanted, but you learned where you didn't want to go. So now you know to try something else next time. Yeah, I think like knowing what you don't like and what you don't want to do is just Mm -hmm. as important. Just as important. It's a long life, you know? We have to keep Mm -hmm. going. I guess tell me a little bit about your creative process and what happens from like idea to conception. So um, (laughs) we're still... (laughs) Or I'm still figuring out my creative process, actually. (laughs) It it changes all the time. But in general, for a season, what I tend to do is I'm always collecting images. So whether it's something on Pinterest, um, something from an old magazine, I'm watching a movie or a TV show, and like someone accidentally has their collar popped, I stop, screenshot it, and save it. Or it's like lint on the floor or whatever. So I take photos of just everything that that I like, And maybe I don't know why I like it, but I know that it's interesting to me. So there's that process. And then when we start thinking about a collection, I compile all of the images from a certain period of time and group them. So I'm like, oh, this like 1800s dress that has a swag on the floor has the same shape as this crumpled trash bag, which has the same shape as this painterly swoop on this 50s artwork. And I'm like, it's not about any of those things. It's about the swoop. So then there's a group called Swoop and we design it to that. Or this weird algae green color keeps showing up. And so I'm like, this obviously feels right to me now. So it's a really abstract design process, but color and shape happen simultaneously. 
and fabric research happens at the same time as well. So there are certain fabrics that we use always. And sometimes I just see something and I'm like, this is major, have to use this. And even if it's not on the color palette or we, you know, we find a way to put it in. So the entire collection is always incredibly diverse and eclectic. And I think what brings it together are all of those abstract feelings. So they all sit together like, you know, like, so it's just a feeling. And that's how I work with designing a collection, you know. And then we sketch everything. We figure out if there's enough color diversity in there. Um, Like, what are the colors that I'm feeling? And we're really known for that. And then we make sure that there's enough in each section. And then we go to muslin, straight, and sampling. So that's kind of how we do everything. It's it's a lot different than other people that, you know, may have line plans or go directly from sketching to a final product. And we're always kind of doing a bunch of different things right. at the same time. Well, I think there's like no wrong way to, I guess, right. be creative. I think a lot of, you know, collecting images and then looking at it again later, it is part of also like honing your intuition. Because you're like, oh, I like that. I like that. And then lo and behold, there was a reason and there's a plan for all of that. My next question, which you kind of answered, but it's where do you go for inspiration? And it seems Mm -hmm. everywhere and anywhere. (laughs) Everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a Um, quote that I love um, from the performance artist John Cage in the 1960s. mm. And he was talking about Robert Rauschenberg's work, which is combines where he combined like found objects with painting And he said, Mm -hmm. beauty is now underfoot wherever we take the trouble to look. And Mm -hmm. I just thought that was like such like a a motto for life. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, it seems like that's kind of, you know, you can find a trash bag or like a work of art. And it's the same. Mm -hmm. It could lead you to the same place. Same place. Absolutely. And that's also something is that there is, at least for me, no hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So whether it's Jem Henson's Muppets or an amazing faux fur coat from the 70s, it's the same energy. So yeah. it's about treating both things with the same level of seriousness and frivolity that makes something feel fresh to me. I love it. I love that. You know, I think to say the least, it's been a challenging year. So Mm -hmm. how have you stayed inspired, um, like, during the last year? I think I've stayed the most inspired by taking time to not even try to be inspired. (laughs) In any creative industry, I'm sure it's, it's just go, go, go. You're making decisions. You're doing a bunch of different things at once. And, you know, in fashion, whether you're, like, making a collection or producing the collection, grading everything, shipping everything, making sure all the labels are correct, making sure that, you know, all of this stuff, there's not really a lot of time to sort of sit with your thoughts. Yeah. Although, you know, this pandemic has been nothing short of horrible. I think one of the positives for me has been the time to, the fact that it's required me to slow down and Mm. I'd like to say that like our past collection for spring is is my favorite that we've done. And it's because I really had the time to reconcile all of the different ideas that were in my head and hone in on what I really believed. And it's because we had so much time to think about everything. And so for me, I think I'd say the most inspired by just 
sitting with myself and not trying. Um, allowing myself to feel sad if I felt, you know, sad. Allowing myself to feel joy if I felt it and not feel guilty about it. Reconnecting with my family and friends. Listening to music that makes me happy and just sitting down and not, like, doing a million things. Yeah. Not even trying. I mean... Relaxing. Let, let go and let God, you know? <laughs> Period. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess along those same lines, I think self-care has become such an essential component of our daily Absolutely. lives. In order for us to be productive and creative, we have to take care of ourselves. So how have you, like, learned to care for yourself in the last year or even few years? Because you, your business has picked up very quickly. Mm-hmm. You've, like... Yeah jumped into the spotlight. How do you take care of Christopher? Um, well, I just moved into a new apartment, which is great. So I've had time to, I've never invested in like my surroundings really. Mm-hmm. All like, it's all gone into the work and the clothes. So yeah. it's nice to come home to a place that feels like serene and calm and my own. And I've been working out and like thinking about the food that like I put into my body and like really you know, splurging every now and then, but really just sort of thinking more about just how I treat myself, you know? And instead of just, again, like I was saying, like going, going, going and just, okay, this is really quick. I can eat this. Or like, I actually don't need to like go to the gym because I have to cut this garment. It's like, I've been forcing myself to be specific about how I spend my time and allocating an appropriate amount of time to myself, which is really important. And I used to like not do it at all Mm -hmm. because I didn't think that I was like, I thought that work was more important than myself, yeah. in a way. But that's not the case at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean... As I think we're all learning, you know? If, yeah, I think the silver lining, if there is one, is that we've had to pause. We had to realize that the way that we were, you know, go, 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 is was probably not sustainable. You know, environmentally, psychologically. Mentally. Yeah, like... <laughs> All, in all the ways, unsustainable. So, you know, we've had to learn how to do things differently. Some for better, some for worse. Some we don't have a choice, yeah. but... Um, Absolutely. It's yeah, all nice. happening for a reason, I like to believe. Mm-hmm. To that effect, you know, I think the fashion industry is changing quite a bit. Like, the world is mm-hmm. changing. What are your hopes for the future of the industry, like for your own personal, I guess, ambitions or ideas for the future? Hmm. Well, I just hope, honestly, to be able to continue doing what I'm doing. My team and I, we're in a very unusual position to be able to make clothing that is so specific and charged with emotion and be able to have a business off of that, you know? A lot of people are known for doing really great black pants or like an oversized gray sweater or, you know, whatever. But we make really fun clothes. And so I feel really lucky to be able to have found a community of people that understand that and relate to that and allow us to continue to do what we're doing. So I just hope that we're able to continue doing that and having fun along the way. Yeah, And I hope... You know, the industry can, or maybe not even the industry, but I hope that there are, I know that there are other designers like myself who really love fashion and love making clothing that's almost like art in a way. And I hope that other designers like that will be given space to create 
businesses that can sustain themselves. And I hope to be able to sort of maybe give a voice to those people later on in my career as well, because there have been so many designers like Alaya who have championed designers younger than him, who he really believed in. So it would be great to, you know, I don't know, like 20 years, be able to do that for someone else. I think it'll be less than 20 years. (laughs) I'm sure you're already doing it, you know? You know, it's like when you say, I think you said something like, to make clothing with emotion that have emotion. Mm -hmm. And I do really see that in your clothing, that there's this like exuberance there and the joy. I mean, I can see it probably comes from within you. Is that what you, the intention that you set or is that just what comes out when you're making clothes? I think it's just what comes out. Yeah. My mom is a really big inspiration to me. She's always been the most optimistic person. And... Her and my dad have always told my sister and I, you can do anything you want. You know, shoot for the moon. And if you don't reach there, maybe you'll land among the stars. You know, which is still a great mm-hmm. place to be. You know, it just, like, fashion excites me. Clothing excites me. Art excites me. And so the fact that I get to do that makes me happy. And so I think it just comes out in the work naturally. And I want to make things that get me excited and get my team excited. And we found that the things that usually excite us the most people get excited by as well. And I think now we're finding that the things that are most successful for us are things that make people smile. So maybe there's a little bit of intention there too. Yeah. Um, But it all starts from just like a really authentic place of having fun with doing what we do. Yeah, and it's part of what you said earlier about just following your heart Mm -hmm. and like having a point of view. And I think if you lead with that, then like build it and they will come in a way. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. if you're creating something that you love and is true to you, you know, whether it's one person or 5,000 or like a hundred million people that are <laughs> yeah, like into it, I think mm-hmm. it's, I'm sure, worthwhile. Absolutely. And also remembering that you can't be everything to everyone. Um, I'm learning that, know. you know, and just being honest with who you are and what you have to say. And it doesn't have to be for everyone. I think that's also where the joy comes from because it's not trying to be anything other than itself. If you weren't designing clothes, are there other creative pursuits that you would like to explore? I love painting. That makes me so, so, so happy. Um, And it's nice to be able to play with color in a way that doesn't have anything to do with the human form. Mm -hmm. So maybe painting... I also really love music, so, and I always joke with my friends, I'm like, I'm going to release a little EP, and it's going to have nothing to do with me. Um, I'm not going to be on the cover, and it's just going to be, like, this exploratory thing with sound. Um, So maybe that'll come out. I don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I look forward to your album drop, your EP. Right? (laughs) You'll be the first on the list. Yes. So the name of the podcast for everyone, Mm -hmm. as everyone knows, is Live Curiously. What does living curiously mean to you? I think living curiously, learning to always say yes when you want to say yes. I think there are a lot of times where, at least for me, I'm very self-aware. So if someone wants to do something and I feel like I might look stupid, even though I want to do it, I'll say, no, it's okay. Like, I'm busy or like... No, I don't want to do it, even though I really do. And so I'm learning, especially after this year or, you know, with this year, we don't know what's going to happen. So 
always really learning to sort of lean into that yes, that space of yes, or why not, or let me at least see what it's like, yeah. um, whether it's with food or traveling somewhere or trying a new activity, leaning into the space of trying something out and not really thinking about how it's going to end up, I think is living curiously to me. Because it's hard sometimes, you sometimes operate from fear. I do that too, where I say, I can't do that, (laughs) even though that's actually exactly what I want to do. But it's scary. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, there's that book, The Artist's Way. There's a line that says, leap and the net will appear. Mm. And sometimes just gotta... That's it. You gotta leap. And sometimes the net is like a little faulty and like you kind of hurt yourself Mm -hmm. a little bit, but like it was, it's okay. (laughs) And then now, you know, you actually don't want to do that thing or, you know, and at least you can say you tried. Um, And I think it just adds to a more full experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in 2021, let's say, (laughs) when everything's going to be fabulous and normal, (laughs) um, I guess, are there... um, plans that you have for the collection or for yourself personally or travel Mm -hmm. or um, Mm. anything that you're looking forward to? I mean, I want to visit Hong Kong. I've never been. Need to go. Um, That would be amazing to go there. I actually went to Paris for the first time this year for market in February. It was amazing. I have a few friends there, so it'd be great to go back there. It's funny because I never actually planned to, like, go into evening wear. That was never really something that attracted me. The idea of, like, that type of dressing wasn't really interesting to me. But I think I found a way to make it exciting for myself. Yeah. Um, And it's been cool to sort of see the different types of people that gravitate towards the work for red carpet events. And we don't have a red carpet right now. It'll be interesting to sort of go back into that space of thinking about how to make occasion wear that feels appropriate to a possible 2021 outing moment when people can like go outside. We'll be ready. I'm going to need a look. I'm going to need a look to debut myself. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. and The maskless Jillian. She's ready. She's so ready. You know, it must be interesting also as you expand your market and you go, you you know, mm-hmm. you're at Joyce in Hong Kong and to be in London and Paris, like to see how your ethos transfers to different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, have you been able to like see yet or? Yeah. It actually, it's been cool to see how different parts of the world identify with the work. Um, there are some parts of the world that really love the tailoring and love a great trouser and it's more there's more of a sharp aesthetic Mm -hmm. and then there are certain places that love a really great dress and like a floral print that's kind of um, a bit more insane then there are specific places that like something that's a bit more sexy because we tend to lean in towards more modest dressing just Mm -hmm. naturally that's what i like to see visually but when we do something that's a bit sexier a bit more revealing there are like certain places that really gravitate towards that. So it's cool to be attracted to a bunch of different types of ways of making clothes personally for me and know that there are different people across the world that can find something for themselves. So it's nice that yeah. the people aren't the same and that everyone can find something. I literally, right before we got on this um, call, I was telling a friend that I was, I was like, I have to go. I'm interviewing Christopher John Rogers. And she's like, 
tell him I'm a huge fan. She's like, I want him Aww. to do my wedding dress. She's like, he's doing my wedding dress. <gasps> yes. You need to find her a husband first, you know? But, <laughs> but she Love. knows what the dress will be. And um, I think that, like, speaks to, like, you know, your clothes are, a mo- I mean, a moment. And <laughs> a it moment. makes a woman feel like a beautiful, ethereal a thing. Hopefully people feel like gifts like yes. to the spaces that they're walking into and also to themselves. It definitely takes chutzpah yes. to identify with the work, I think, and then also to be able to like wear it confidently. And making clothes that sort of encourage people to find new places to go or new ways to step into themselves because it's like you like it. Like don't act like it's too much for you because mm. you feel attracted to it. There's something there. Yes. So just push yourself to try it out. And that's something that's always really exciting for me too because... We actually had our first trunk show last year. And it was cool to get to meet all the different types of women that are attracted to the clothes. And someone came up to me and was like, I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, I love this dress, but I feel like it's too much. And like, I was like, just try it on. She put it on. She it, Like, it changed the way that she felt yeah. about herself and how she could be. I mean... Definitely down to make your friend's wedding dress, um, but she can also get married to herself. So yes, we're also about that. So as well. will I. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Christopher, thank you so much. It was so lovely speaking with you. Do you have any last words you'd like to share to our audience in Hong Kong and abroad about, like, you know, finishing up the end of the year and staying motivated and staying encouraged? inspired yeah definitely i mean i think as we've sort of found out with this year that like nothing is guaranteed and you know we only have one life to live so as you mentioned earlier like live curiously and lean into all of the risks that you want to take while you can take them and you know if you're in a space to be your authentic self always take that chance And I'm still learning to sort of live all those things myself. But yeah, we're on a journey and I think we're all just trying to be our best selves. To me, Christopher John Rogers embodies what it is to be truly and authentically oneself. I left my conversation with Christopher feeling inspired and uplifted. A reminder that sometimes fashion can encourage us to be the best versions of ourselves. There is a hopefulness, not just in the colors and forms of Christopher's clothes, but also in the spirit and heart imbued within them. I think we can all agree, the hope is more than welcome. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stay curious. Until next time.